Hi, Pin. Hi, Pin. I'm sorry you didn't win the bet. Maybe if you just ask Father for some clothes, he'd give some to you. If I wore clothes, then no one could see inside me, and I wouldn't be any good for teaching anymore. Well, couldn't you take them off when you had to? I couldn't do it myself, and it would be too much extra work for the doctor. Well, I could come by and do it for you. You have to go to school. Anyway, we shouldn't be having this conversation. You know, the doctor doesn't like me talking to anyone when he's not here. You won't tell him. <clears throat> you go out to the waiting room now. Pin is tired. Great power comes great responsibility. It's a good thing we have no power. This is the Skeleton Crew, the most irresponsible show on Horrorphilia.com. This is Alex. I'm with Dan and Jamie. No. Hello. Your voice sounds really sexy right now. Are you still sick? Yeah. Aw. You sound hot, though. Yeah? Maybe I should get sick all the time. <laughs> Just hanging around hospitals. You like Phoebe. Go around licking people's cups and stuff. <laughs> Exactly. One week ago, I got like uh, strep throat or something like that. I've been coughing. My throat is shredded. I ruined the trip my girlfriend took me on on a cruise ship, and then down it down the shore for the weekend. And I was I was on a cruise, and I was in the cabin ninety percent of the time. <laughs> Damn, where'd you go? Dude, that happens to a lot of people. A lot of people go on cruises and end up seasick and staying yeah. the majority of the time in the cabin. So. You know, that's not so unusual. Don't feel bad. Yeah, but I was coughing, and I had a, I had a, a fever for four to five straight days. Ooh. Sweet. Oh, but you really sound so hot right now. I can't stand it. All right. You are now listening to the smooth sounds of the skeleton crew. Hey, Dan, can you leave the room? I just want to hang out with Jamie for a little bit, see what goes down. Hey, have at it. Mute. All right, so Jamie, uh, I was on a cruise, and... Uh, I'm back. Oh, Christ. All right, I'm gone. Anyway, I was sick. Uh, and I'm still kind of sick. I took antibiotics and all that good stuff, and uh, I'm still not completely over it. I'll probably cough during the show, but whatever. So uh, here's the thing. At Horophilia, um, so many shows dropped at the same time that, for some strange reason, uh, it the downloads aren't as as high as normal. It's down like 10 15% on every single show because too many happened at once. It had an overload? Yeah, something like that. I don't even know how that... I guess people missed our last show, a couple of them. 10% of the people, which is like three people. I don't want them to miss the show. <coughs> well, they're fucking assholes, because the last show No one bad. should miss that show. It last was show awesome. Was bad. Exactly. So what I'm here to say is, if you missed 
Skeleton Crew Show number 84. That's ridiculous. You have to go download that because it's one of our most important shows. And then unlike me on Facebook because you're a douchebag. <laughs> we did something really cool there. Your acting and uh, you guys' acting was fucking superb. I thought it flowed very nicely. Uh, Alex, uh, your producing on that was uh, magnificent. Thanks. I thought it was just splendid. Thank you. Yeah, me and Dan had this little idea. Like, we were sitting, brought a, a case of beer, and we sat down for three hours, and we said, uh, well, what could we do that's different? And then I told him how I always had this vision of, of interacting with a movie because I have this thing I'm going to do with a girl. It's a whole thing. You'll, you'll see one day. So I said, I want to do it with, like, a Friday 13th movie. And he said, well, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, I want to... Say like the first idea was to go to to Paul at the campfire scene and say things in between his storytelling, and then Dan said, "Well, why don't we just do that with a bunch of scenes?" So then I said, "Yeah, I guess we could do it." Like, you're right. Let's like do it with the whole movie, and then from there the whole thing spawned, and then Dan wrote like an outline, and then I filled in gaps or whatever things I thought of also, and then we put it all together, and then that's what we got. So. <laughs> That's what you guys do when I'm counting floor tiles in the dungeon. <laughs> well, you. Yeah, Jamie, you'll get part three because that's your jam. It was fun writing it, dude. It was it was kind of easy, actually, just going through the movie, picking out different scenes and stuff. It was really fun, actually. And, uh, yeah, I thought you guys killed it. It was uh, it was fun, man. You know, we've, we've done how many of these fucking podcasts, dude? 84. I know we're in 84. It seems like we're at 1 million. I mean, it just... You, you want to try to do something different. So, yeah, we took the uh, last action hero approach. Yeah, I was really impressed, actually. I was going to say the same thing, Dan. You're, both of you guys, your acting was really good. And I'm, I also have to compliment myself because I'm pretty bad at it. And I actually was happy with what I did, too. And I'm usually – I hate it. I always feel like it sounds uh, fake, like, you know, Jason Lloyd and things like that. But, no, it sounded like I wasn't reading from a paper, so that's cool. <laughs> it came out good, dude. Definitely came out good. Yeah, but I don't want to be dealing with chicks over 15. It's like once they get their license, they don't give a shit. <laughs> Just like a tight snatch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, whenever I do things for, like, any show, uh, uh, guest spots and stuff, I always sound like I'm reading. So I was actually happy. I thought all of us did uh, a solid job there. So I think when when we do continue on with this thing, it'll just get better, really, I think, probably. Yeah, and our plan is to go through the whole series, but, I mean, we might have to skip. Some things, yeah, it's just too too much. Or I, we were also thinking maybe we'll stop at 8, because, I mean, really, who wants, to, who wants to be in anything past 8? <laughs> <laughs> Not me! Exactly. Well, speaking, okay, since we're in Friday 13th a little bit... Nice segue, Alex. Well, our, you used that segue, actually, to start off that whole bit, so... You said uh, we were excited about news of our Friday the 13th show, but we really didn't get into it. So, um, Jamie, you know, you you watch Bates Motel, right? Yes, I do. Okay, and you watch uh, American Horror Story. Oh, yeah. Walking Dead. You're pretty much a connoisseur of horror TV. Yeah, well, even things that I might not watch normally, I end up watching anyway because of evil episodes. So, because that's what we do. So, Jamie, have you seen Salem yet? Yes. Is that good? I enjoyed it. I've, I've only seen the first episode. We're covering uh, more than that when we do our next show. So I've only watched the first episode, but I thought it was kind of cool. 
Have you watched um, Hannibal? I watched the first season, and I didn't watch the second season. Ah! Mike and Brian have been talking about the second season and about how good it is. It's all yes. still on my DVR. I will watch it eventually. I just haven't been keeping up with it. Season two gets it right, Jamie. De- totally, it's a real departure because I mean, the first season seems like CSI with fucking with Hannibal uh, or or like Criminal Minds rather with Hannibal in it, and uh, this one's pretty much yeah they have more serial killers in it, but it's all about uh, you know Doctor Lecta in this one and Will Graham and the whole spazzle. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm sorry, guys. At- what I was actually starting to talk about I was thanking everybody for their nice feedback of our Friday 13th exploration show. Yes, thank you. So, uh, here's some listener letters. We'll still refer listener to them. Listener letters! Yeah, meanwhile, it's just Facebook. But uh, Tristan Gnarly Martin. One word. Unique. Remember, you heard it here first. This is another level of awesome. I'm only nine minutes in, and it's absolutely superb. It must have been a killer to produce. I've never heard a podcast go in this direction before, and I cannot wait for the next episode to be created. Nartastic. Thanks, Tristan. Yeah, thanks, man. Jonathan Orr thinks it's crazy. Jared Jared says it's genius, pure genius. I'm speechless, and that almost never happens. Um, That's true. I, I didn't... You guys got to help me out. Maybe I'm just stupid or something. I can't tell if Matthew Woodward is being nice or if he's saying that he doesn't like it. So tell me. Yeah, I couldn't tell either. So, you know, <laughs> don't feel bad. When I read that, I was like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Well, he does say... Doesn't he say in the very beginning, um, read it, okay. read it. Okay. <laughs> okay, Dan, you try to process this, right? Jesus. That was a weird-ass episode, crew. I liked it. And I admire the willingness to get a little different with the approach. Okay. Now, now, right there you say, oh, Sounds good. good. He likes it, right? Thanks, dude. Yes. But, but then it gets ambiguous. Yeah. Then he continued, and then it got more confusing. <laughs> Even when the episode isn't as good as the last or the next one, production skills, editing, narrative, music, thematic style, etc. will always kill. No pun intended. You kids keep making them, and we'll keep listening. I think that's positive, but I can't figure out what he means by when the episode isn't. Ed- is he referring to that episode not being as good as the so. one previous? I don't think so. I don't know. But no, that general I think to he's me. attempting. I think he's being complimentary. But I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, wait, is that a backhanded compliment, or I just can't tell? I think that was a general statement. He was like, hey, you guys are hit or miss, but hey, uh, it sounds really good every time. Hey, we give it the old college try, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, I think what really matters is that they keep coming back. So, And then he ends it with that. Like, you know, he's still going to keep listening. So, like, even if we have done a show that maybe didn't come off as exciting as some of our other ones, then he's still there. You know, and that's what that's what really matters. That's what's important. I, I hate you guys. I hate you guys so much, but your show is so damn good. Uh, Cosmic Creeper said, classic show right here. <laughs> that's exactly how he said it. <laughs> um, Dan Chase said, thanks, guys. Oh, that's you. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carmen Ditello said, "Great acting, guys." Thank you. Thanks, dude. Thanks, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'm confused by all this mention of acting, though. Weren't we really there? Uh, yeah. It seems, I. It seems real. What is this acting you speak of? What was I on? 
<laughs> acting, yeah. Yeah, do, does this scar look like acting? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that was our trip to Friday 13th. I really, I'm glad we did that because Friday 13th gets overlooked. It's the one everybody just, like, kind of glosses over on their way to part two, you know, for obvious reasons. You know, Jason's not in it and all that good stuff. And, um... I'm glad that we uh, brought it to life because I think that movie deserves it, and I think uh, it was doable and it worked. So, and and about the TV show coming too, man, I'm really excited because we got shows like Hannibal and Bates Motel now, and you know what I mean. We got quality ass TV shows that I would love to see like a solid fucking treatment for the history of uh, of Friday the Thirteenth, man, of Jason and his mother, obviously. But I know Dan Farrens is behind this in some way. Wave. Oh no. The Halloween Six guy, yeah. Oh Jesus! I like him. I, I like his work. Um, Has he gotten better in the last twenty years? Uh, I think so. Yes. Okay. He did. He did a couple solid uh, flicks in Halloween Six. Uh, dude, who 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 was the company behind that movie? Dimension, I think. Dimension, and who owns Dimension? Weinstein's. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> so I mean you can imagine what happened there and he tells that story dude he was supposed to have Howard Stern in that movie that movie was supposed to be yeah. awesome exactly so Jamie now being what you are with horror TV and I am too I've, I've seen it all I've seen all of Tales from the Dark Side Tales from the Crypt uh, Twilight Zone I've seen everything pretty much but what do you think about Friday the 13th, the TV show, but this time they're not making the same old mistakes as last time with just using the name or like Freddy's Nightmares, pretty much just using the name and then Freddy's like the host or some shit. Like this time it's going to be in Crystal Lake as the town, just like uh, Fairville is in Bates, even though I think, what is it called in in Bates Motels? It's not Fairville, Uh, is it? No, it's uh, Point something. Yeah, it's like Point something. I don't know. Yeah, so... Forget. So that's what this is, and some people are not thrilled with the idea that they're going to focus on the residents. Like, Pine Bay. Oh, Pine Bay, yeah. Right? <laughs> Sorry. They're going to focus on the residents of Crystal Lake, and people are like, well, why do I care? Now, here's the question that that is... I don't understand. What do you mean, why do I care? You, don't you care every time... A bunch of counselors head into Crystal Lake. Don't you like all those people? Why would you think that you wouldn't care this time? Like, what's the difference? You know, they're just people who are going to die. Don't you love Ginny and Paul and Alice and Ned and Ted and Deadfuck and Jimbo and uh, the same guy and Chris and and the the nerd and Vera and Shelly and you love all those people, Trish Mm -hmm. and Tommy Jarvis. So why would you think that this isn't going to be good? Like, I don't understand that. Is that why they say it's not going to be good? Well, fuck them. They don't know shit. I mean, look at Bates Motel. That's about people that we never thought right. would go to life. Look at Norman's fucking brother, dude. I, I mean, love shit. that guy. Exactly. So, fuck that. I'm more, hey, w- what's the story going to be? Is it going to be Jason's mom? Is it going to be Jason as a kid? How is how's the story going to unfold? That's what I want to know. As far as who it focuses on, dude, that's irrelevant. Don't take care of that. Yeah, oh, fuck yeah. I mean, maybe. Then again, I don't know. who. I don't even know who's doing this, uh, what network's picking it up, who's behind it. So it could be very good or it could be very bad. You, you never know. You know, same with the screen thing. You know, we don't know. 
But from what we've seen lately where TV is fucking, you know, um, beyond movies and a lot of people think that way. Some don't. And, you know, I I beg to differ. But TV is getting really fucking good. All it means is we get to watch this week after week. Yes. This movie quality fucking stories weekly. How could you? I mean, come on. Come on, man. Well, in the way that horror television is going these days, they're allowed to get away with a lot more stuff than they have right. been in the past. So it could, Good you point. know, it's I think that they're not going to have to shy away right. from the horror aspect of it as much as they would have if they had done this years ago. Also, I have a little bit of intel that um, yes. it tells me that they have seen the mm, the early mock-ups of Jason and it's pretty awesome. Really? So Jason's in it right away? I, I don't know about right source. away. I don't know. I don't. As, as far as story goes, I know some things about the story about what it was going to be. I don't know exactly if they've changed anything or where he exactly when he's going to come into the story. But I do know that he's going to be there, and I've heard he looks pretty cool. Jamie, you tell me off air. We talked about Scream, and I said I have a great vision for Scream, the great high school, the town of Woodsboro, and the Scream guy running around in convenience stores. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. No, but like, <laughs> just like – The woods. I could just see that, and it looks great, and, and I can see that moving along. Um, Friday the 13th, can I see that happening? I don't know. I mean – Hell yeah. You can't see that? Is he going to kill people in every... I, here's the thing. Here's why I don't see it. Yeah. With Bates and Hannibal and Scream even, because you don't know who it is. It's always just random people. Mm-hmm. There's so much development that can go into the... What is it called? Protagonist? The killer, right? Right. Okay. Antagonist. He's the antagonist? Oh, okay. <laughs> I agree with him. <laughs> okay, the antagonist. Now, what... Can you do with Jason? What could he be besides a one-dimensional guy who, once in a while, comes in and kills the people that the stories are about? You know, like what? Where's what progression? I mean, what has he ever done that furthered his character ever? Nothing. So, like, what could you possibly do with him for thirteen episodes in a row? Oh, well. Go ahead, Jamie. No, I can't. <laughs> It's killing me. I would just. Oh, you know. I can't. I, uh... That's what I'm saying. Turn off the microphone. Jamie. <laughs> okay. Okay. At least let me give me vague answers. Ready? So. They're gonna do flashbacks. No. Well, yeah, they have to. Come on, they have to do origin. We know that's happening. Oh, that could work. Jamie, tell us, God damn it. Well, Jamie, here's why she's throwing me off. I feel like it will be about the mom in the camp, and she'll be working, preparing dinners for the kids and shit like that. You know, everything she told us before she'd try to kill us. You know, and all that. I think we're going to see that, and I think we're going to see him picked on and drowned. And I understand that, Jamie. But why are you telling us that you already saw Jason? How could... could I didn't see Jason. (laughs) I have just heard things about Jason. The whole first season should be before the mom gets her head cut off. No, no, the whole first season should be before he drowns. Right. So you just want to see mongoloid Jason running around the entire first season? Yeah, because I want to I want to get into the mom. Yes. I want to be as involved with the mom there as much as I am in Base Motel right now. 
okay, well, what about this scenario? You could go the Arrow route. They fucking do flashbacks throughout the whole series of him back on the island. They could do the same thing where it's um, not not even flashbacks. It's literally another story running concurrently. You know what I mean? And they kind of tie together. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing throwing. What? Now this off. this is absolutely nothing that I know about, I and mean, this is strictly conjecture. Um, and suggestion yeah, on my on my part, but would it? What if they were to do flashbacks from Jason's point of view? You know, nice. You think they could do that? I mean, I mean this, like I said, that's yeah. not anything that I have heard about anything. I'm just throwing that out there. No, if, I don't like it. There's not enough detail with the mom's development. I don't like it. <laughs> a mongoloid can't can't have detailed flashbacks. What? <laughs> He's a retard. Come on. <laughs> I want to see the mom's descent into insanity. Well, you might through what she just said. Maybe you could see it through his his eyes. I don't. I mean that. You know. I don't. No, that could work. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. All right. Yeah. Well, we don't know anything, so that's uh, that's what we think. So this is Tom Atkins. Here's a message for the skeleton crew. I know you guys enjoy doing this show, but for, oh my god, stop it! Just stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost. Let's just keep going. We did Friday Thirteenth. We did Psycho. Now let's move on to Halloween because there is finally Halloween news. We've heard this back in 2010. No, no offense. This is now 2014. Um, <clears throat> Halloween three is happening once again. Now, here's what confuses me. Now, it was a miracle to me. I don't even know if anybody even knows why. I think I, I talked to this I talked about this uh, before, but I don't know if anybody had an answer. Why Rob Zombie even did Halloween 2? Uh, I don't even know why he agreed to that. I'm glad he did, because I liked it. But So, Halloween 3 is happening, and the thing that's confusing me here is that Scout Taylor Compton writes on her Twitter that she can't wait because she can't wait to get back into the headspace of the character. It's like, okay, so we're continuing from Rob Zombie's world and she is in it. Now, I don't I don't see how that's going to work because if Rob Zombie's not directing it, how can you possibly put... she? That's what she, the world she's from. Don't make it that grimy-ass fucking... I guess Dude, people... that's what she is. Look at, look at part two. She's the grimiest of them all. Well, I know what you're saying, though. Like, in the continuity of the movies, yeah, they come after Rob Zombies, but they could do their own thing with this. You know what I mean? And she died. What did that whole ending of her walk, that horse walking down the... That that symbolized the mother and the son and the daughter are together now in heaven. I'll I'll say this, dude, okay? I don't know what direction they're going. First of all, if you listen to... I think it's Killer POV. It's a podcast. Rob G. Um... They talked to Todd Farmer, and he basically explained it. So 
I'll let him explain it better than than I could ever. But the basic thing is, um, you know, Michael Myers dies or whatever, transfers into someone else. Fucking boom! It's a brand new Michael Myers. Basically, stupid. Michael. But it it is stupid. But dude, fucking the, the whole concept of Michael Myers and Jason and all that is fucking stupid if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, but like we, we want. Said, we do. Yeah, but you still want that as opposed to Jason goes to hell where it's other people. Like I don't care how stupid it is. That's what it is. Right. Yeah, but it's a hey man, it's a it's a way to fucking move the franchise along and let's face it, it's had some shitty sequels and, and, and a lot of shitty directions. They're trying to pick it up from there and take it in its own they're basically trying to continue trying to make the continuity gel and at the same time make their own movie so when they transfer it yeah whatever transfer dude i know well i don't want to say that when the fuck has that ever happened in the world however they do it (laughs) they want to bring it back to just the silent fucking michael myers whatever what stuck some new kids yeah and that's what i'm saying but but here's the thing though dude and and here's why all of this is fucking irrelevant and Halloween 3 News is irrelevant. It's because the fucking Weinsteins are running it, dude. They're the ones that, oh yeah, the Weinsteins are taking a look at fucking Halloween 3 again. Fuck you, dude. I don't trust those dudes. I just don't. Until I hear that it's fucking in production, going, we're doing this, then fine. But those motherfuckers promise us ha- Halloween For fucking every years. year. Oh. Yeah, dude, it's just bullshit, dude. And, you know, and then, you know, when's the last one? I mean, they let Rob Zombie do what he did. Don't get me wrong. They gave him full creative control over that and shit but it's like yeah congratulations but just the fact that they're not choosing to have this movie at the top of their fucking list is just ridiculous i mean it's not ridiculous to me it's ridiculous because i'm a horror fan and and i love the franchise but you know it is what it is i don't believe anything from those motherfuckers anything from that camp until i see it's in production i don't believe it jamie what do you want out of halloween three do you want uh like a shamrock silver masks and uh, Tom Atkins mustache. <laughs> yeah, bring it Atkins, dude. Problem solved. I don't. Yeah, you know, I um, honestly don't know. I mean, since we don't have a template from the original, uh, from the original franchise to follow for a third one, I mean, I guess they could skip part three and go straight to part four and try to work. Yeah, but you know what? Jamie, I don't want the nieces and shit running around like that. Well, I don't either. You know, I'm, I really, honestly, don't know what I would want or if I want anything. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. I would be happy with a with Silver Shamrock again. <laughs> you know, because I really love that movie. I could tell you that will never be. That will never be. I don't think they could ever do that again, though. In any way, even if they wanted to, it wouldn't be the same. So yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's sort of since there isn't a template really, then I guess they can just go in whatever direction they want, and whether or not it's going to be good. I, I, you know, I'm doubtful about that, but yeah, I I wish Rob Zombie came back, directed it. Tyler Maine was back. Hey, listen, Michael gets shot all the time and he doesn't die. He got shot in the first one. He got shot in the head. He got shot six times. <laughs> if they brought Scout Taylor Compton back, they better bring fucking Tyler. Exactly. He, he did nothing wrong with that character. And I'm upset that Rob Zombie even made Lori the fucking sister again, man. I don't want it to be about family. I just want him to be the 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 guy who's just fixated on just people so that it doesn't matter because because it's like now we have to come up with a motive for him to go after people besides her i mean look they they could make it about her again and it could be great i guess you know it all depends who's smart enough to write something good but but i don't know i mean why you know why can't we just have 
a slasher film where this big dude goes after teenagers. That's that formula has worked for thirty years. It's all about the sequels. That's the problem. Even in sequels, like say, take Friday the Thirteenth. It's the same shit. It's just new kids. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and so why not? I mean, you could you could make it really simple. You know, people creeping into his house and he doesn't like it. You know, you come near his house, he's gonna whack. Oh, that was a Halloween eight, Jamie. Yeah, I know, I and mean, that's what. <laughs> yeah, well, and well, there was one thing that fucked that up, but um, bust a bus. Um. The I wasn't saying anything specific. I was just saying there was one thing. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> actually, I like him. I'm, I'm actually uh, disturbed that he was in that. Buster Rhymes is the man. What up, bitches? This is the fucking ghoul, and you're listening to the fucking Skeleton Crew, son. Scream Factory has been working their asses off. Uh, I, I, I don't know if anyone's living under a rock and doesn't know that. I am. Oh, okay. Well, here, I'll pull you out for a second and let you know something. <laughs> I think they got they they really did the right thing. They put their name on the map by releasing Halloween two and three on Blu-ray. Amazing looking transfers, amazing bonus features, and you know big named titles like that put them on the map to let horror fans you know make aware that they're out there. And what they do is they they buy the rights, I guess, to old. 80s slashers and stuff like that that are pretty much just on VHS basically and some of them have DVD releases and stuff like that but so uh, they're basically just on VHS and they take them and they buy the rights they get the original film negatives they run it through their computers and they put it in 1080 720 did you watch that special feature on the sleepaway camp DVD where they showed you how they did it how they did that I thought was really cool yes but I, I actually appreciate it more, believe it or not, when they they go the other route. Like, did you see the one for, um, this is random, but Wizard of Oz or Psycho or Jaws? Mm-mm. Okay, those show them how they fix stuff and how they get rid of blemishes and how they... The Wizard of Oz, when they, they took that, for some reason there were three different sets, rolls of negatives or something, three different colors, blue, yellow, and red. And when you put them together, they make the uh, the movie. And that's how everything works, because every color is der- derived from those three colors. You know, purple and green. Yes. Blue, yellow, and red are the primary colors. Yeah. And from that, you have secondary colors and then tertiary colors. So on. I feel like I'm in third grade again. <laughs> well, some people don't know. I figured I'll tell them. <laughs> I didn't. I, I was actually like a, an art major and... and I was a, a good artist back then, so in, in high school and things like that. So I, I was in the top of the classes, and, and I, I did everything with that. So the, the three films of those three colors, they were so warped over time that they were all different sizes. And they had to, like, scan them and then enlarge them and fit them all to the exact micron to make it work. And it was just, like, amazing to watch that stuff and to watch Jaws Restored and Psycho is fucking perfect, the Blu-ray. And to watch that is amazing. So I like that kind of thing a little bit better. But these guys have been doing that. So, you know, so I just wanted to run through a couple with you guys because, you know, because people have been asking me, what do you think of these movies? Everyone thinks I hate 80s slashers because I've been downing a lot of them because I think they're crap. I know one that I can't wait to hear you talk about. Bro Mama from a Train. 
<laughs> you don't have a cousin Patty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back a little bit. I watched Night of the Demons from them. Linda... Linnea. Linnea Quigley, yeah. Fucking Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my idea with that. Okay, I watched it. I love 80s. You know that. <laughs> the first half hour was really good. Then it was... The middle was okay. And then it fell apart in the third act. I thought... I can't believe where this movie just kind of went nowhere. Uh, it just went with some annoying girl dressed up as Alice in Wonderland and some black guy helping her. And I didn't even know why I'm watching them. I didn't care about them. Something just didn't invest me. I don't know what the fuck I was even watching at one point when they were pulling pipes out of a room or some shit. And then they, then the end happened, and it was just like anticlimactic. It just really fell apart in the third act. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, that film kind of drags for me. A little bit toward the end. I think that I'm right there in the beginning. But then once we pass the midway park, it just sort of drags for me. And I feel like I'm slogging through it. And as much as there are things about it that I absolutely love, you know, I I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. Yeah. See? It's just, I don't know. I don't know. So what I did was, it's I think it's hilarious, the whole... Uh, Monica Kina and Eddie Furlong thing, you know, the fucking drugs they're doing and shit. So I realized they were in the remake uh, of this movie. So, and then I found out Shannon Elizabeth is in it, and she's fucking hot, man. But, but, um, so I watched it, and I was more into that. Yeah, I did not hate the remake. It got a lot of shit when it came out. And, you know, if you just throw it out there today, people are like, ah, remake suck. Ah." Yeah, but... and nobody likes it, but I, I kind of call bullshit on that because <laughs> I really don't have a problem with it. I thought it was kind of cool, um, yeah, and in a lot of ways. And I think that it falls victim to those people who just they don't think they'll sound cool if they say that they like it. You know, I personally don't give a shit if people think I'm cool because I like or don't like something. So it's like, you know, yeah, I, I really don't have a problem with the remake of that movie. No. And I like how they even explained something. Wasn't there something from the original that is vague and they explain it here, like something about someone killing themselves or something Mm, that I honestly haven't seen the remake in a while. I don't remember everything about it. It, they really expanded on something from the... You remember thinking that party is a lot more kick-ass. Oh, yeah, dude. Plus, Tiffany Shepis has a little cameo role in the remake, which I really like. She, I mean, for I mean, she's in it for like a minute, maybe, but um, I like her, so... Right. Who's that? that was- Who is that? I heard that name. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's just one of those... She's not... I don't know if she's ever been anything mainstream. She's just like an indie horror... I mean, she. Some people call her Scream Queen. You know how I feel about throwing that title around, but I, you know, I really dig her. She's been in. She's in mostly indie horror, but she's beautiful. I love her. Bo refers to her as his future ex-wife. Yep, my name is Bo. <laughs> right now, I'm looking at her. Um, I don't think she's that hot. <laughs> of course, you don't. I really don't. Oh God, no, not for me. Okay. <laughs> So the next movie we want to get into All right. yes. is Final Exam. That is a pristine transfer. You 
have to look at if you like that movie you gotta get the Blu-ray so uh, a lot of people there's a weird misconception about this movie they say it's a rip off of Halloween to the point where when you look at the cover it almost looks actually the cover looks like Friday 13th part 2 it's just the black outline of the guy with the school behind him and a knife in his hand and it looks like that part 2 thing the poster mm-hmm. so yep. so they say it's like Halloween it's a total rip off guys it's not a Halloween rip off um it has superb character development. Um, I kind of lost track, though. The girls, they sort of look the same. They all look 80s and stuff. So they, they I lost track <laughs> of who I'm watching at some point. And the, the final girl, although it's such character development, the final girl, I feel like I don't even care about her. And I, I don't know why. I just couldn't keep track of her or something. I just didn't care. That she was on the, you know, at the end, and the, there's a like a, a guy in there who you you cared about more, and he does get killed. That was kind of weird. Um, the killer is maskless. The kills are not stupendous, and the ending is not amazing. But it's a great watch. Really? Yeah, like it's it's good. I liked it. Okay. I'll the check sum it out. is greater than the parts. Yes. Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to check it out, and uh, yeah, I might just do that now. It's like a fun college movie. Right. Okay. I approve of that movie, but I'm I'm not telling you to spend twenty seven dollars. Uh, I don't know. If you like the movie, yeah, get the Blu-ray, but whatever. Okay. So now we'll move on to Evil Speak. Oh, Clint Howard. Yep. <laughs> she said it. Ice Cream Man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking clear. Motherfucker said ice cream. Yo, motherfucker said ice cream, yo. Ah, motherfucker said ice cream. Shit. So much time goes by that you wonder is someone gonna die? Like, I think like 45 minutes go. And, okay, there's some. Okay, here's the thing. So, this kid, he's in like some kind of military school, um, but it's sort of religious. At the same time, there's like fathers, you know, like the religious type that you care about, like, you care what they think, but they're also in the military for the, like, I don't know, ROTC, whatever the fuck it is. I don't even know what it is, really, that he's in, but that, it's it's like a confined place for people like that. So, um, the kid always gets picked on, Ron Howard, you know? So, um... Clint Howard. <laughs> Not open. So he, he gets assigned to clean, like, a basement or something in the school, in the pits, and it's a really old building, and he goes through a wall by accident, and he, and it's a whole satanic thing, and there was a cult and a whole thing there. He easily discovers everything about it, and how it all works, and just because I guess his motivation is that he gets bullied, the kid is, is instantly willing to do devil worship, and summon the devil, and shit like that. Oh, nice. So, but the thing is, it's interesting the whole way through. It's never boring or anything. Um, it's just kind of not plausible. But it's 80s, man. And it's weird because he uses a computer to help him with this. And the, the computer is interactive. It tells him, oh, you need blood from a goat. You need a fucking feather from an albatross. You need fucking this and that. You know, a goddamn fish's tooth. You know, like all this type of weird shit to get this stuff done and then you need the sacrifice of a real person blah blah so it's weird to see them try to use a computer as if it's high technology <laughs> to get this done <laughs> it's like a joke and uh, this is 1984 you know this is worse than weird science 
It's like Revenge of the Nerds when he sits down and makes suddenly the the two little characters, cartoon characters, dancing. After he taps on the the keyboard for like a second, and he hits four keys, and then he's created this whole animated world. Like, yeah, get out of here. Exactly. You gotta love '80s movie computers because they could do anything. When in real life, they couldn't do any of that. Right. You know, it all happens. He brings them. He gets possessed, blah, blah. The whole fucking place. He gets revenge. It's crazy. The last, you know, minutes are crazy. Uh, none of the kills are, are that amazing. Some are. Some are pretty good. Uh, but it's not It's not going to blow you away. It's definitely like you have to like this already to buy it. That's all I'll say about it. So, it's. Okay. I liked it, though. I'll give it a, like 3.5 out of 5. Quinn Howard is cool. Yeah, he's cool, and it's weird because he's like he's like uh, eighteen in this. He looks almost normal. Oh no, shit! Yeah, it's weird. He was actually a really cute little kid when Opie was Opie when Ron Howard was little, and he was playing young Opie, like five year old Opie. There would be this kid that would pop up just periodically in the show in in the Andrew Griffith show, and he wasn't related to Opie, but he would just and he'd never say a word. He was always wearing a little cowboy hat and he had like a half-eaten peanut butter sandwich and he would always stick it out like, hey, you want some of my sandwich? But he would never say anything and he was so cute. And that was Clint. Who knew he would grow up to be a waterhead? Would you like to see my wife's Clint? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, he's a warrior hat. He's a scary looking man. I don't know. You guys got to watch Tango and Cash and he's pretty funny in there. Uh, so we'll get to the last one. I know Dan's like, is this going to fucking end? I haven't seen a single oh, one of these. I, 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 I've never seen any of them. I got nothing to say. My bad. I'm listening. The last one is Visiting Hours. I watched. Yay! Woo! So here's the thing. That's the one I didn't have from those guys, and I had to buy it uh, and order it from Amazon. It was like 15 bucks, so it's uh, it's a double pack. It's Visiting Hours and... Uh, bad Dreams. Bad Dreams. So I watched Visiting Hours last night. There's this guy in the movie, Dan will know him, Michael Ironside. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's the killer. And he's from Total Recall. He's, he's Victor or Richter or something like that. He's yep. the guy that I was telling you was in Scanners when I was talking about wanting yeah. to watch the David Cronenberg movie Scanners. And I said Michael Ironside is in it. That's him. This movie is so good. Yay. Jamie, you could talk because I've been talking too much. Like, what do you think? Like, tell everybody why it's great. Oh my god, I I am in love with this movie, and I have been forever. This was one of my mom's favorite movies, and so we always had it. Like, we had it in every incarnation when it, it that as it came out. But I love this movie um, because, first of all, you have a really strong female character. Oh, William Shatner's in it too. Yeah, with his toupee and everything. Uh, Yeah, no. Um, You have this really strong female character. She's a journalist. She's outspoken. She just says whatever she feels, and she gets people fired up, and um, she doesn't care what anybody thinks. And in a lot of ways, she kind of reminds me of – now, I'm not saying I come off that way, but I'm saying that's how I feel when I get impassioned about something, when I talk about something. I just – I try to just say how I feel without really – I'm not trying to please people. I'm just trying to get it out there. Yeah, you know? I think people want to kill you too. So yeah, I, I it could go along with that. But so unknowingly, she has angered 
this guy who has made a career of writing letters to the editor and to the congressman and to the and you see all the framed letters that he has all over his apartment where he's just sort of he's just one of those people that fires off angry letters about things. Well, she has taken a stance on abuse and violence. Abu- right, yeah, on on domestic violence and he it really pisses him off. Like he just is not happy about this, so he goes after her. But the 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 beautiful thing I, I think about this is that he doesn't just have this sole victim throughout. Like he's his whole goal is to rid the world of this woman who has pissed him off. But his first attack lands her in the hospital. He spends the rest of the movie trying to kill her in the hospital, very like Halloween Tooie in, in some ways. But but way more intricate. But oh yeah, and um, I think the characters are so strong and and just you can relate to them. Even though this film is like 33 years old, you can still relate to it. Uh, to who these characters are and he is just outright psycho i mean he does this one of my favorite scenes is where he's trying to get into the hospital so he figures the best way for him to get into the hospital because it's basically on lockdown is for him to hurt himself (laughs) so he takes his belt and he wraps it around his arm like heroin style that's what i thought he was going to do which i love i love the sound design on this movie as well but he he pulls on it and you can hear the leather just creaking as he's pulling his belt tight he swallows a handful of pills downs it with a bottle of beer smashes and then just smashes his arm down on the beer bottle and he pulls it up and you see all these little pieces of broken glass sticking out of it and i thought the effects were phenomenal and it's weird. I hate to say this because I, you know, this is like sacrilegious. But if you compare this hospital kill a killer movie compared to Halloween two, in terms of like depth and had the intricacies of writing and everything and character development, this blows that away and in, in in technical ways. Oh sure, I, I agree with that. Yeah, and this is a film that I wish people would talk about more. For years. Now, I'm hoping that this Blu ray release will help that, yeah. put it back on the radar because for years I would throw this film out there and nobody ever knew what the hell I was talking about. I'm like, come on. You know, I mean, it, but there are people that people have heard of it, and it wasn't like it was completely obscure actors. I mean, Michael Ironstar is out there. You know, William Shatner's fucking in it. You know? <laughs> it's good, guys. Check out Visiting Hours, man. I think it's on Netflix right now, actually. So if you take our word for any, if you're listening this far in, fuck, if you're not putting this on Netflix, if you got it, you're nuts. This is great. Like, this is a really good movie. I give it a 4.5 out of 5. Man, I'm when so happy. Sold me. <laughs> it's on Netflix, dude. Check when it I out. saw that you got it and you asked if, you know, you posted on Facebook and you're like, is this any good? I, w- I almost tripped over myself trying to comment fast enough and I was kind of scared because I was like what if he doesn't like it you know I mean I was still going to love you it doesn't mean anything but I just um, I was like I I really wanted you to because this is one of those movies that you know if you really love it then you want everybody else to love it too like you want to share it with them so when you posted that you gave it a 4.5 I was like yay I told Brian even I was like Alex loved visiting hours (laughs) I was so excited I'm about as Norman as Norman Bates with the formative traits, a premature birth that was four minutes late. Mother, are you there? I love you. I never meant to hit you over the head with that shovel. Will someone please explain to my brain that I just severed a main vein with a chainsaw and I'm in pain? I 
take a breather inside. Either I'm high or I'm nuts. Now let's talk a little bit about Bates Motel. Now, uh, this show will come out when the season finale is already done because the season finale was last night in real life, and uh, the three of us have not seen it, correct? No. Uh, correct. I have not watched it. Okay, so now we can talk about everything up to that point, though. So I am loving this. is This is like my second favorite show on television. Wow. What's your first? 90210? <laughs> hey, you made that <laughs> reference, man. <laughs> no, what's number one? I'm dying, I know. Riding through this world. Da-da-da-da. Oh, fuck. How did I miss that? Okay. Come on, that's still on. It's Yeah, it seems like forever ago, but yeah. Sons is the best show on television right now, uh, to me, and Bates Motel is the second best. Okay, let's just do a real grade uh, comparison really f- fast. Uh, season one, let's rate it. Let's do the Netflix uh, one out of five. I give season one a, uh, a 3.5 or 4. I'm right there with you. Okay. Dan? Same here. Okay. Now, season two. 4.5 to 5. I mean, there have been there have been moments when I have truly loved this season. Yep. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> Doing that thing where you yell at your TV, even if you're the only one in the room. You know? <laughs> I am right with you. 4.5 to 5. This season is phenomenal. This is so great, because I was kind of worried about where things were going to kind of land, and I am thrilled. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I know. Like, um, they're really finding their own. Like, they're 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 really starting their own story here and getting into aspects where I didn't think they were gonna go. And it's like, oh, here we go. They're doing this for TV. Like when Norma met that dude. But it it, it seems like everything's really going somewhere. And uh, and four point five, I would say I, I'm not like over the moon for it, but I think it's very fucking good, better than the first season. I can't wait to see the fucking finale, dude. I really can't. I and I heard it's very good. And a lot of things happen where it kind of dictates, well, <laughs> the season finale dictates what's going to happen. With, yeah, but it, it really sets the tone for season three. And I read on Dread Central with an interview that they had that they're going to the networks trying to figure out exactly how much time they have with the show. Because they have it mapped out in their minds how long this is going to be. They have a mi- uh, beginning, middle, and end planned out. They already got everything, you know, the rough outlines of it anyways. Uh, they all already got it down. So hopefully they can do this story the way they want to do it. And, you know, I- I'd say this could probably go like five or six seasons maybe. I'd be down with that. Yeah. Do you guys find yourself, are you like me and that you find yourself watching the drug parts just waiting to get back to Norma and Norman and what's going on with them and of course we had this whole this where it came together uh, at the end of this season but before that it's like whenever they would get to like the grow houses and stuff I'm just like Um, you know last year but not this year for some reason I'm into it you know I just I like Dylan and I always like seeing him but I just I just I get so excited about Norma is one of my favorite characters on television. Right. Period. Yeah. Right now, so anytime she's on the screen, I'm happy. Right. And so, like when she's off the screen, I'm just like uh, I sort of go into not sleep mode, but I power down like halfway, and then like then it perks back up whenever she comes back on screen. I think it's gonna be very tough when she goes. Oh yeah, man. Very fucking. I think, and you know what? We're gonna hate Norman. 
Exactly. We're all going to hate but Morgan I think by the end. And... She's still going to have to be there. And I, I mean, and I think that yeah, the, yeah, the successful way to do it would be to keep Vera Farmiga there and just use her as. Oh, like the talking. Even mother? like if she's gone, gone, and even if her character is gone, then use her as him talking to her. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of like Dexter did with his dad. You know, I think that that I think it that would be foolish to completely write her out of the show, even if it gets to a point where she's physically not there anymore. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree totally. The, the reason I'm uh, into the drug house scenes this time is because one, they got the chick. Kathleen Robertson, who I dig, so <laughs> I actually like her more now than I did when she. I never liked her on nine hundred two one zero ever, ever. But I now I like her, you know, and I think she's much hotter now than she was back then too. Yeah, and um, well, no, I, I like both, but but what the thing is, I get the same feeling when I watch Dylan's character interact with these like deep dark drug dealer type guys. I get the same feeling that I used to get watching Walter White. Or watching Jesse Pinkman when he went into that place and he was teaching them how to cook crystal meth and he goes he goes I'm here to teach you bitch now go get the stuff you know like things like that I when when I saw those scenes I felt like I was living the no, go get my fulsaric acid bitch <laughs> I felt like I was living those scenes with him and they really drew you in and when Dylan is doing the same shit like he goes up and he's just giving these one-word answers to these guys I feel like I'm living this this show. That's how into it I get. And uh, he hasn't gotten the script Walter White got, but he is doing a high caliber of acting that draws you in just almost as much. But Walter's just too seasoned and, and too good. But this kid is on his way, I'll tell you that much. And by the fifth season, if he's still alive. So what do you mean? Like the situations he gets in, you mean? Like the, the pressure of all that? Yeah, Like the all pressures. the scenes going down? Well, that's why you like Sons, too, because that shit is fucking heart-pounding, dude. You know what I mean? And that's why it works. And that's why if you have a good character like Dylan, as we got to know, who would have thought that he'd be our fucking favorite character? Well, one, I mean, I, I know he's definitely mine. Oh, but, yeah. you know, I know he's in the top. He's mine, too. For you guys, too, right? I know you said Vera is your favorite, uh, Jamie, but, I mean, he's great on that show. Who would have thought that... That we would say that, and then to the point where we follow him into those situations now, and we feel for him, and we're like, "Oh shit!" You know what I mean? That's fucking. Hey, that's good writing right there. And the the situations that they set up in the show, who would have thought that we'd be talking about those on Bates Motel either? Like, I I love the way it's going, dude. Love it. Yeah. Who would have thought when we heard that Norman Bates has a brother? We all groaned like, "Oh shit! What are they doing?" You know, because it's obviously famously known that Norman's a single child. Right. Or only child. So, uh, you know, like, it's just like, what are you doing? And to think that two years later, we're talking about him like he's our favorite character. It's like, what the fuck? And no. it, it's just crazy. And a lot of people were complaining that there's too many subplots. You're muddling it up. Dude, I'm sorry, man. If you're a little fucking slow and you can't keep up, I'm sorry for you. But I'm I'm fine. I could keep up. I'm totally in sync. I know everything that's going on. I'm not missing a beat, and I'm experiencing it through and through, and I'm having a blast, brother. Sorry. Exactly, dude. <laughs> and, and, and you know, like you said, when people can't follow it, hey, it is what it is. I think all the storylines really are going somewhere. I think that they have a reason for being there, and that's what it is, you know? And it's perfect, dude. I Hey, man, I love, I love this season. 
Where do you go with a show like this, though? Like, you go, you know, you get weird with it, right? Because Norman's going crazy. Yeah, you have to get weird sexually. Every way you have to get weird. And, and, but here's the thing, though. They do that, but they do it, like, in a in a cool way. Like, when Norma goes and has fucking revenge sex with fucking dude after having a fight with Norman. You know what I mean? Like, that whole thing. You know what you were talking about earlier about... Um how you would feel like Walter White when Walter White was going into particular situations or whatever. Now you feel that way about Dylan. Yep. That's exactly how I felt in the first seasons of Weeds when yes. she was first getting involved with yep. dealing and all of that. And then she would go to these unfamiliar territories and be – and then it got kind of crazy like when she married the Mexican drug lord or whatever. I mean, <laughs> and I sort of fell off it at that point. You want Cuban B? Yes, Cuban B. <laughs> Yes, Cuban B. Uh, when it when it first started, and it was very, and it was the early seasons when she was still in the suburbs and all of that. I used to get nervous for her when she was going into these situations that she was unfamiliar with, with you know hardcore people who just you know she's there like sipping on her iced coffee, right. and you. Know, there's guys with guns and I'm like you have no idea what you're getting yourself into <laughs> you know and right. I would get so freaked right. out for her and you know so and I, and I do feel that way with um, with Dylan even even though I think he's handling it a little bit better than she did but you know what cracks me up about this season is the times when his mom shows up at his office <laughs> And she's like, she has no fucking fear, dude. She is standing right. outside the door, banging on the door, screaming at him to let me in. You know, she goes to the place. She goes to this big drug house or like not even the house. It's not a house. It's like a big – it's like a friggin' warehouse. And she yeah. she goes there and she's like, I'm here looking for my son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she don't even say his name to try to act a little not, you know. Yeah, I mean, she's totally the mom that shows up at school. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> and she don't care. She's like, I'm here for my son, not for Dylan. <laughs> and it just, oh, it's so funny. I love that. Yep. I worry for her, too, though. Because there's such a, she's she has such a, like an ignorance about her. And I don't mean right. that derogatorily, just that she's so ignorant about way, the way things are and the way things are run you know like when she confronts what's his name yeah and he she's like you're acting like i owe you and he's like um well you do she goes no i, I don't know <laughs> but when the rest of us knew going in that if you're gonna that if the, a guy this high up is gonna do a favor for you you're gonna have to return right. it i mean we've all seen the godfather we yeah. know how that works and she's just like what are you talking about <laughs> i don't owe you anything she's yeah she's always like what, what, I don't, I don't, I'm not involved. What is it? I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, it's just that. Okay, Norma, you don't want to talk. I don't trust you. I don't like you. And I don't want to talk to you anymore. Get out of my house. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's how it works. <laughs> and, you know, I got to admit, I told Tiffany I didn't want to break it to anybody. I didn't want to tell anybody on the show or you guys or anything. But I, you know, because I'm the whole psycho guy. Yes, you are. <laughs> I really wasn't digging Freddie Highmore's, like, take on Norman Bates. I didn't like the way he spoke a lot. I didn't like his delivery on things. I didn't like his approach to a lot of things in season one. But in season two, now you could say, you, you might give me the Adam Green syndrome and say, oh, that's just because you are now familiarized and now starting season two, you weren't introduced to Norman. This is Norman and now your brain is adjusted differently. Whatever. But I think it's more about what he's given uh, script-wise, I like him a lot more now than I did the first season. 
Like, I don't know if you guys had that experience. No, I, I agree with that. This season, I think it has really come to light uh, how he he sort of personifies the character of Norman in a way that fits perfectly with the Norman that we have always known. He's a bad liar. <laughs> He's a really bad liar, and he said when he's attempting to lie, he does that thing where he kind of stumbles a little bit, and he says the thing that no one would normally say if they're trying to lie. It's just like, I oh, don't say that. Why did you just say that? <laughs> and I find myself cringing for right. him. I love it, though. You know, and I'm just like, oh, don't go there. You're listening to The Skeleton Crew, the radio show that brings you blood, booze, and boobs, exclusively on thegirlhood.com. Every time I think of you. This show, I mean, let's face it, there's not much going on in, in the Hollywood realm of horror, so... It's either television or indie, so let's face it. You're going to hear Camp Dread reviews. Um, so <laughs> the, one of the big movies that um, came out about like 10 years maybe ago, I don't know, was Wolf Creek. And it was about these kids who went to Aussie and uh, they were visiting a crater or something and – this guy befriended them and then he drugged he put something in their drinks and then they ended up tied up in his his uh whatever junkyard and uh he just tortures people i guess and kills them and um they try to escape and all that kind of stuff and it was it was a solid movie um i watched it again before i watched part two because i wanted to to have one big thing (laughs) what's the point well what i did i uh had had it on the computer, so I dragged the thing to the exact middle point, which was 45 minutes. Okay. And it's exactly when they go to sleep. Oh, nice. So nothing happens in the first 45 minutes besides character development, I guess. Right, right. So I just went to the good stuff. And um, not that that's not good. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that I just didn't have time. So yep. I just wanted to watch the good stuff and then, you know. So um, I did that. Then I watched part two. To be honest, this is not going to be popular opinion. I was not completely crazy about the first one. I mean, it was okay. I, w- I never understood why people were so in love with that movie. Um, I, I was like, yeah, cheap. it's all right, you know. But yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was just yeah. how many times do I need to see some guy tie up and torch people? I just, you know, I, 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 I don't know. But yeah. um, in the second one. I know and it was kind of funny because before I watched it, Dan watched it and he was just like, ah, oh my God. Rawr. I mean, he was just really pissed off about this movie. Yeah, he had a tirade on that. And I Facebook. was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be so bad. <laughs> but uh, I watched it and I didn't think so. You know, I mean, I saw elements. Uh, the, the funny thing I thought was that I saw elements of a lot of different films in here. I saw elements of Duel here where he suddenly gets a fucking truck out of nowhere. Um and yeah. so, so like the first part of the film, the big, uh, the he's 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 spent 
like there are these two campers and he goes after them and 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 it turns out they're not even really the point of the movie you know but he spends a great deal of time on them and then sort of runs into this guy who's driving a jeep that picks up this chick who ends up getting her dumbass killed anyway which is a fantastic scene by the way when when he sees that oh, yeah. that uh, he's gonna fire at him he ducks and her dumbass gets shot in the head and i was just like that's Awesome. Uh, I was so sick of her anyway with her not helping her boyfriend. You know, whenever I see a woman in a movie who is just standing back doing nothing while her boyfriend or husband is getting killed, I have no sympathy for them. No. Yeah, she was one of those. You're right. Because she was on my fucking nerves. All she did was scream and cry. And then when she got away and she's running from him and she meets this guy in the Jeep and all she's doing is screaming and crying. I'm like, shut the fuck up and tell him what's going on. He cannot help you if he doesn't know what's going on. Shut up. You know, she was completely useless. I hated her character. Totally useless. Glad to see her die. Thank you. Um, then, um, it, then it just kind of gets kind of crazy, you know, like he ends up chasing this guy in the Jeep and then he gets this truck out of nowhere and starts chasing him. And then they end up at this old couple's house and you're thinking for a second, it's like, is this old couple, do they know him? Do they not know him? And then like you hear his voice and you're like, uh Oh, you know, cause at first, it, the first thing that hit me was that like he had walked in the house and this was going to be like his fucking parents or something. And uh, then it turns out that. No, that was not it. But then you get this dumb old man who has the perfect opportunity to shoot the asshole, and he doesn't. And uh, Brian's like, well, you know, I mean, are you just going to randomly shoot somebody? I'm like, I don't know. If some guy shows up on my property with a gun right. and he's trying to get this guy, I think I might do it. <laughs> I don't. You, you probably wouldn't though. You'd be afraid that you might suffer repercussions. That, that's true too. But I mean if I'm, if I'm out in the outback and some grizzled dude shows up – with a gun and he's like screaming for this other guy. It's just like, ah, that might not be a bad time to. Yeah. Maybe exercise some, uh, yeah, <laughs> but, um, maybe, maybe I would shoot him. There were, I can't remember. There were several films that I actually saw that I noted were, um, I mentioned duel that one popped out, but there were several others that I now I cannot call to mind. Nightmare on Elm Street. It, yes. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All his fucking one liners, dude. No, he didn't. That was a, he was the same as he was in the first movie. No, but, but I don't hate I don't hate that though. I actually thought he was kind of fun. You know, I, what was I, different about it? It was just it wasn't it wasn't uh, they didn't add comedy as as per se like we've all seen. What they did was they expanded on a character. When did you ever see? When did you ever hang out with this dude? in the first movie to the depths that you do here and look at the whole process. Clearly the guy always had a sense of humor, even in the first movie. And that's the one thing Dan said. So I, that's the reason I watched part one to see if he's right. And, uh, they just gave him the Freddy Krueger stuff. And, uh, no man, I really believe it was just an extension of the character and more an in-depth look on the little intricacies that go on, uh, behind the scenes when someone's not running around trying to rescue them. Instead, we get to see him and how it, how he interacts with people. And I just saw a guy with his own personality just doing his thing. I didn't, you, you didn't Texas think Chainsaw the, 2 was one that I saw. Nomland. I mean, it was just like his yeah. whole like underground um i don't know like his i don't know what that is like his tunneling his tunnel system where he's got just like random people chained up you know like that one chick that you thought was dead but then it was like she she actually i really liked that you know i thought that was really creepy oh. and um 
you know, uh, then he had the whole trivia question thing with the one guy, and I actually thought that was good. And I answered some of those questions, which I thought was really cool because I, I got Billabong. And then there was another one, another one of the history questions that I got. And I was like, yay, I might live. And then it turns out he was just being a dick, so you wouldn't live through it anyway. But <laughs> Oh, when he cut his fingers off? Oh, oh my God. God. And he didn't he didn't just cut it off. He fucking yeah. grinded it off. Uh, That's just wrong. I mean. Especially when he was right. Cutting it off is bad enough, but to take a grinder to it, that is hardcore. I was just, I was squirming when he did that. I really was. That was. Yeah, that- this was definitely a, this was a solid flick, man. I was in the whole time. Like none of it was bad to me. Like I liked all of it. I kind of enjoyed getting more into his character. I kind of liked his character until he was being a dick there. Um, things like that. I don't know. <clears throat> Sorry, Dan. I I usually am on board with you, especially when it's stupid shit like uh, Texas Chainsaw Two and things. But I don't know, man. I didn't I didn't see it like that. I was just going to say, for all the reasons that you guys liked it is the reasons I fucking hated it. Because when I first saw Wolf Creek, it it really was unnerving, dude. Like, it, it freaked me the fuck out. I saw it in the movie theater. I was the only person in there. I mean, naturally, it wasn't, you know. But uh, I, I get in there, and I walked out, and it kind of fucking shook me. Like, I kept thinking about it because, like you said, you don't get to know him really, except for that scene that you're talking about where they fell asleep and they're talking to him a little bit, having back and forth. And the the only real sinister thing you get that you know is like the look he gives them. But to me, that's more powerful. So, anyways, it's it's that unnerving feeling, and that's a that's a particular reason why I like that first movie. It's a totally biased uh, view, but I just love it. I fucking dove right into that movie. And I know you talked about the character development up until, you know, the 45 minutes worth. I love that shit, dude. It just I guess backpacking stories or like, you know, stories like that where you just feel out of your element. And that's what Wolf Creek felt like. And they felt like they were already out of their element being in the outback. And then you add this motherfucking crazy asshole that you might run into and it just it really shook me and i'm not saying wolf creek 2 was a bad movie i just hated it because it was fucking everything that wolf creek wasn't dude i mean i think everything was amped up dude i think everything was on a on a on a new level or or trying to ramp it up for the sequel now what that was a conscious decision obviously but his one liners dude there were fucking tons of them and i know what you're saying like really yeah well the the one liners dude and then all the fucking i mean dude he he runs over fucking kangaroos in this movie Let's that just pissed me off i mean just every <laughs> action it did scene, like i was said, really angry about that and now he's got a Mack truck, like you said, Alex. Everything about it was just like, this is fucking over the top. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, but compared to Wolf Creek and how I felt about that original, dude, no, I was fucking heated when I saw this you movie. You know what it is? Me and Jamie, me and Jamie aren't invested in Wolf Creek, so we didn't feel that, you know? Like, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I kind of appreciated <laughs> the fact that it sort of went off the rails here because to me, the original Wolf Creek was nothing all that special. So yeah, then right. when this one was a little bit crazy and retarded, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I can – this fun. is fun. This is kind of fun. It is know? fun. Oh, it's it's a fucking blast. I just didn't have fun. 
or have a blast. <laughs> it is fun. I just it's have fun. fun. I no, it's fun. That's another line. <laughs> no, but no. Hey, I stand behind that one, dude. Because it. And when I say a little bit, I mean a lot. They. Uh, hey, when they run over kangaroos, it is yes, oh, I it's, like it's it. supposed to be. It's supposed to be a good time. That's what I'm saying. And, but I, I just did not have a good time. That's like, oh, did you have a good time at the party? Like, I did. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. We went to the same party, but I just didn't have fun. You know? <laughs> I, I passed it. I get that. And I can understand where if someone was, like, really invested in the first one, how this could be. This is because this is a complete departure from the first one. Mm-hmm. And how they would be then disappointed in this because it went in a completely different route. Um but, you know, I dig it. So, well, I dig it more. I'm still not. I wasn't like, oh, my God. Yeah, you're not going to buy the Blu-ray. But. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but um, but I did have fun with it. Dan, would you put this in the same realm as, would you compare the first one to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I part two is Texas? It's, na- it's a totally natural place to go. Exactly. Would you say this is as much of a departure as Texas Chainsaw to Part 2 as Wolf Creek to Wolf Creek 2? Um, no, I don't think it was that much of a departure, no. Because one is so solid and one's not, and one's so fucking crazy. But with this one, it's just, it seems like everything is fucking to the 10th degree. Like, yeah, he made jokes on the first one, but this one he's making fucking 10 more. And just the situations too, like... Just, but you're with him longer, though. You are, for sure. So but, what else is he going to do? But but no, that's what I'm saying though. Maybe you shouldn't be with him. Maybe that's why the first one was so oh, okay. effective. You see what I'm saying? That's what I liked about the first one. And dude, that's what I'm saying. Maybe I'll rewatch it and, and enjoy it for what it is. But as of right now, no, it fucking pisses me off because I love the first one, and uh, it just doesn't compare to that. And I wanted to feel that same feeling because uh, I love being unnerved from a fucking movie. It's like wow, that's a powerful fucking feeling where you could be genuinely shook. You ever walk out of a movie theater and you know nothing's gonna fucking happen to you, but you walk into your car and you're still fucking looking around and shit. Like you yeah. know nothing's gonna happen, dude, but that's how I felt. And even when I got home I just felt this dude. eerie silence, this quietness that I was just like, that fucking movie. After I saw Fallen in the theater, I wouldn't get anyone let anyone get near me for like Fallen. three weeks. I was like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Yeah, that's what happened to me after I saw Grown Ups too. I mean, when I was walking to my car, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was looking around like, holy shit. A whole different kind of scary. <laughs> it was so weird, man. Um, now, okay, this is a question I have. The, the first Wolf Creek was basically they took – I mean the idea behind these is that there are a lot of people that go missing in the, in the Australian outback. Right. And um, they – nobody ever really knows what happens to them. So they're like, hey, this – this is the story that we heard about this one or whatever. With the second one, um, they – th- Yeah, but Jamie, this is also about a guy who killed people in the outback. In the second <laughs> one where they take – you know, you have the one survivor guy who like ends up crazy and all that. And then so they attribute – I mean what, they're, what they did was basically attribute all this stuff to the same killer. Now, the, the story in the second one, was that actually real? I mean did they actually do it again and take a real scenario and attribute it just – and, and just lump it with the same killer guy, or was this actually for the sequel just sort of made up? You know, do you know? Do you, I'm has anybody sure heard it was fucking that? made up. I'm sure. Well, because, <laughs> I mean, to me, I think it's actually an interesting idea. If you take unknown – or you, if you take situations, actual crimes that were committed, and nobody knows who did it, but you have people coming, like survivors, who tell these stories, but then they're able to not find anything. But then if you take all of those and then attributed them to one person, that's like uh, – that you know, that's like one epic killer. 
Yeah, so right. they could they could essentially keep going with that and just come up with another unexplained you know missing people people ending up dead thing for the right. third one and have him just be this all-encompassing outback killer does that does am i babbling does that make sense no no i, I <laughs> babbling wait, i think okay. this is probably <laughs> just, this is probably probably about as real as the original texas chainsaw massacre we'll see well, well i was thinking that with the first one did that with the first one did they not actually take some snippets of real stories and then just Fill in the blanks. Jamie, was it it's times like these I wish I was more educated. I don't know. I'm not okay. sure. Would you shut the fuck up and listen to the Skeleton Crew? It's radio at its finest. Uh, about a week or two ago, Spider-Man, or should I say Speederman? Speederman, is that how you say it? <laughs> Speederman 2 came out. The amazing Speederman 2. The amazing Speederman. I'm a big fan of the uh, first one of the remake or whatever you want to call it, the the 2000 uh, the reboot, son. And you know everybody is is funny, man. Like Tiffany has said to me, can you believe that within such a short amount of time that the 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 first movie came out and the reboot is already out? Like that's ridiculous. And I said, uh, hon, this is the third remake. Because not many people know this, but there was a live-action Spider-Man movie in, like, 1975 or something. Yeah! Fucking love that show. Yeah, and they made a show out of it. Or maybe... I don't know which came first. Maybe it was, like, the Hulk movie where first it was the show, then the movie to end it, or maybe... I don't know how it worked. Oh, that was my jam back in the day, dude. Yeah, and if anybody is, like, big into comic book stuff, if you want to watch all those like you know that old batman with adam west and burt ward mm-hmm. the they have an exact equivalent for spider-man what is that the show you're talking about yeah it's it's i love it it. It, 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 it it was a great fucking show if you if you compare it to anything that's out now it's laughable but oh yeah and it's not like the captain american movie bad it was i liked it. i honestly i haven't seen it in forever but i remember it being pretty damn good the music was awesome in that. Yeah, you you could go on like the Pirate Bay or Kick Ass Torrents, and you can get every every episode. Oh, nice! I still have a couple of the VHSs somewhere. Yeah. So, Spider Man. Uh, we can't talk about much because so much is a spoiler. But let's just uh, you know say if we liked it or not. Can I say it was depressing without giving anything away? What? Because of the ending? Yeah. Yeah. I can say that, right? Dude, I, I well, first of all, I told you the ending before you even saw it. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Then I forgot, dude, because I fucking, my jaw you dropped, man. me, too. You were like, dude, why'd you tell me that? And I, did I really? Yeah, man. And, and listen, I, I still think, well, no, man, yeah, we won't say what happens, but. No, of course not. Let's just say this. If you, if you read comic books and if you know that storyline, you know exactly where that's headed. And plus, there there are hints that from even the first set of movies that are obviously geared, but you don't know it's gonna transition that way exactly. Right, right. But it still is obviously gonna happen in some level. But yeah, but okay. Let's just say everything before that, right? Mm-hmm. Phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Um, every scene was perfect, almost action. Oh, you know what I love about it, man? The way the fucking camera filmed him flying through the city this time. Oh, 
did that not make your stomach get queasy every two seconds? Right? That was bad. That was some good fucking web slinging, dude. Amazing, Jamie. It was like he took you with him. It was film perfect. Oh, I, I totally agree. And, and I think they improved on a lot of shit in this movie from the first one. I mean, right? Okay, let me ask you a question about the villains. Everybody's complaining too many villains for a movie like this. And the last time they had this many villains was in Spider-Man 3, and look how that turned out. Now, what did you think about the villains and how they were used? Well, one of them wasn't even a villain until the last ten minutes, so... So he was. I loved his character throughout the entire movie. You know that kid I'm always talking about, Alex Dane DeHaan. That's that kid. I thought that was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's like a younger poor man's Leonardo DiCaprio. But man, I love the guy. Man, I don't know what so it was. So good, I just... dude. He's a fucking phenomenal actor, dude. So is Andrew Garfield, dude. Like, dude, that scene that they had when he comes in and you know when they first meet. And he's like, ah, dude, I heard about your dad. He's like, well, I'm having a meeting now. And he was like, so you got rid of your glasses. And he turns around. He was like, there he is. And then boom. I love that relationship. Because going back to the Franco and uh, Tobey Maguire, you know, them, them playing that, dude, you compare it to this and it's laughable. Now, the only thing that, I, I mean, I do enjoy that, you know, at the end he finds a way to control it or he says it comes and goes. So we'll see more of him not not all fucking goblined up. Good. I don't like him goblined up. No, dude. But I thought that that makeup was ten times fucking better than what we saw in the first fucking film, dude. The, with well, who are you comparing it to now? For, uh, well, the Fall or I, the Sun? Well, I, correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Well, you talk about that. But see, that's the thing, too. His dad wasn't the goblin in this one. And he was, was he the hobgoblin? I think he was the green goblin. Like, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, compared to uh, William Defoe's mask, this fucking was incredible. It looked like he had a fucking disease, dude. Yeah, it was just, it was awkward. I'll tell you that much. Like, Yeah? Is it the eyes? I don't know. It was just something about him. The hair maybe was fucking weird. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The hair was just... <laughs> just something was really awkward. But, uh, I, you know, whatever. You know, it's, uh, it is what it is. But well, what about the rhino? <clears throat> See, I, I don't approve of that because I wish they had him in the normal rhino costume. Like, the whole mechanical one, I understand right, okay. what they're doing. Because to make it work in this day and age, and I'm really upset... That uh, they're already hinting to the vulture, and he's fucking mechanical. That is not the vulture. Mm -hmm. The vulture is an old man who had real wings. Like, and I don't even know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. I don't even know if those were real wings, but it fucking looked like it in the pictures. But I mean, it might have been a costume. No, that was a teaser for the vulture. And you know who's probably going to play him is that? No, we do know who is. They already showed it. That bald dude. In yeah. the movie, yeah, and he's per dude. He looks like the vulture from the comics too, right? So right. they're doing, and I, dude, I believe that they'll go. They went with the mech suit, which was from I think the Amazing Spider-Man series, <laughs> but I think they'll go back to the Rhino suit suit in the next one. Okay, in the Sinister Six movie, they're making a Sinister Six movie. They're making a Venom movie, and they're making more Spider-Man movies. This is spawning a whole fucking franchise. This is just the beginning. Just cash money, money, man. That's hey, all it is. Fuck yeah. Hey, and and on the receiving end, I'm just give me more because I love, and and I've said this to people too, and I I seriously think that this is like one of the greatest superhero arcs 
And then you got the relationship between him and Gwen Stacy, and you compare that oh. to the fucking bullshit relationship of Snaggletooth and Tobey Maguire. Like, you gotta be kidding me, man. That is, like, grade school shit, dude. I can't even believe that shit was made. And then when you, when you look at something like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, as Peter Parker, then you look at Tobey Maguire, and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? And then you just wonder, you, you gotta imagine all the executives slapping their heads like, what the fuck were we doing in ten years ago? Like, whoa, did we miss the mark on this one? Who would even, why, why would we think that Tobey Maguire should be Spider-Man? Right. He right. should be Speederman. Speederman! The amazing Speederman. I didn't like Electro, though. I, I gotta be honest. Now, visually, it was cool, and, and I, I, whatever, it was it was fine, but I just found, I, I, I he was this version's The Riddler to me. Was he not the same fucking character when he's, he's obsessed with Spider-Man? Obsessed with Bruce oh, Wayne? Oh, yeah, Say right? he had a poster to him. I don't know what Electro isn't supposed to be. He, exactly. I don't know, man. The, the whole Jamie Foxx is a good actor, but I think he phoned this one in. Or maybe it was a script. Really? I just he didn't, said he was into it. I didn't. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a script. But I that wasn't the main part of this movie for me. It was almost like, oh, I got to fight Electro now. Dude, and, that was a B story to me, though, man. That's what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. Or a C story. Almost. Exactly. Exactly. To, I was more focused on the relationship of Spider man and gwen that was people's biggest problems with the movie they're like well fuck this relationship stuff and that's what i said i was like you guys are fucking retarded dude this shit's awesome this shit's great and uh oh you know let me see fucking him fight electro again it's like dude there'll be time for that you know yeah really weirdo you know it's you know as i was watching it and i saw i i did realize that they are spending an awful lot of time on this but it was also meaningful that I was like, you know, they're they are spending a lot of time, but I I don't know, I'm into it. Yeah. And and I knew that kids are probably sitting there like, what the fuck is this? You know, I knew that that was happening. Yep. But I thought uh, uh, adults like our ages are like way into this. You know. So yeah, we don't want to go too long. Uh, some people don't like the superhero thing. But uh, well, one more thing, real quick, before we do leave, uh, there's a trailer for a new TV show. I'm telling you, man, TV is where it's at. Uh, it's going horror. It's going superhero. It's been going superhero. Oswald uh, Cobblepot. Yeah, for years it's been superhero. Ever since Smallville and all that shit. Arrow. Uh, Arrow. Oh, Arrow's fucking story arc right now is some of the ruthless shit I've ever seen. You guys gotta watch that show. Cool. Yeah. So the new the new one is uh, Gotham. Gotham City has its own television show, and it's all about Gotham City. I guess the first episode is almost. It starts off like Batman, where uh, his parents get shot, but. Uh, now instead of seeing that and then seeing ten years later instantly. You get to see um, that day and everything that transpires as they get older. Well, and it's all Commissioner Gordon. It's his story. Yeah, it's pretty much his story. Yeah, and and I, dude, the thing, the the only fear I have about this show is I hope the uh, references aren't too heavy-handed. You know what I mean? Right. Like I want them to kind of make their own universe and shit, and not like every two seconds reference a fucking villain or something that's 
You know what like, I mean? Like the guy who's gonna be Penguin looks at a guy smoking a long cigarette thing with that black thing. That I love that actor, though. That actor, that dude's great, dude. If you ever see Accepted, fucking, he's in that, and he's hilarious in that movie. So, yeah, it just, I, I just think the tone of it, dude, I mean, I'm not gonna compare it to Chris Nolan shit, but it had a fucking, that kind of tone, you know what I mean? And it's just one more thing to get excited for, which I was not excited about at all. I remember not being excited because I heard about this and then like a um, superheroes go to high school cartoon thing coming out too. And I was like just put off by that whole fucking Gotham TV crossover thing. But looking at this trailer, man, it looks fucking badass. Well, it's going to be pretty great, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we'll see Bane as a kid. I'll let you know, Dan. That's pretty good. Who is that? Are we getting someone breaking into our... I don't know. <laughs> ah, Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's that. This is Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com with all the skinfo from the latest movies. Partying in the theaters, Ali Cobran stars in the raucous snobs versus slobs comedy Neighbors. There's some anonymous nude party girls, but to see Ali topless, check out 2012's American Reunion. 42 minutes in, Ali plays the good neighbor and lends us two big D cups of sugar. Welcome to the neighbor wood. This is the Mr. Skin Minute. Debuting nude on Blu-ray, we say Hanks for the memories to the 1984 flick Bachelor Party. Amidst an orgy of sexual transgression that includes lesbian hookers and tawny Catan in lingerie, Monique Gabrielle strips fantastically full frontal. Bachelor Party will turn you into Tom Yanks. Finally nude and nerdy on Blu-ray, it's the 1984 comedy classic Revenge of the Nerds. Now you can get a crystal clear look at the pom-poms on head cheerleader Julia Montgomery and see the Pi Delta Pi of Colleen Madden in high def. That's full frontal nerdity. MrSkin.com Fast forwarding to the good parts. This is called The Sacrament. It's uh, 2014, brand new. It's Eli Roth produced and Ty West directed. Okay, well, the synopsis is that um, we have um, some people from, is it Viper? Is that what it's called? The, the end. Oh, Vice, Vice. Okay, so, yeah, what the fuck was I thinking of? Okay, <laughs> Vice. Jamie, the synopsis sucks. So we have some people from Vice who have teamed up with the brother of a girl who has a history of drug abuse, and she's gone off to live. Uh, he got a letter from her that she's gone off to live with this commune, basically. So they all check down to check out this commune with the plan of like interviewing people and getting as much video footage as they can. They're trying to determine exactly what sort of situation they're living in. So they get down there first met with it's kind of scary because they're first met with people with guns and this is not what they expected they expected just you know like, uh, hippies so that they're escorted to the gate there's some you know there's some can we go in are they going to let us in they might not let us in we have to be really careful about what they film and then as soon as they cross over into the gate his sister meets in there she's like oh yeah you can film whatever you want you know and they're welcomed they're allowed to go and interview people and Everything seems fine. I mean, they play a little bit of basketball. They get to know people who are living there, and everyone that they talk to loves it. They have sold all their worldly possessions and donated their money to the church in order to build this community and come live here. They're very happy. You know, gardening, they have no technology, so they're completely uh, free from the constraints of, of 
everyday life as we know it today. Um, and everything seems fine until they run into this one woman who she doesn't seem so happy about it. She actually makes the statement that they're not allowed to talk about some stuff. And she refers to them as outsiders, which the A.J. Bowen character is really hung up on. And I can't quite – I'm like, why are you so hung up on her calling you outsiders? For one, are outsiders. But two, I'd be more hung up on the fact that she said they can't talk about certain things. You know, that's the, that's the part of her statement that would stick in my mind. Uh, but this whole thing, this whole commune is led by a man that they refer to as Father. Father. Uh, then huh? uh, Father uh, gathers everyone and allows them to come and interview him. But we get a taste of... Um, if he does an excellent job of spinning the conversation, every time, a, every time I ask him a question, he spins the conversation back around very political. Like he doesn't ever really give them a straightforward answer, and he ends up just making like they're there to put a bad light on their community, not necessary. And everyone here is happy, as you can see. Well, then from that point on, things get a little bit hairy, and then we um, it sort of descends into madness from there. Yes. Nice. Perfect. If anybody wants another way to think of this, if you watched VHS 2 and the uh, story where everyone's living in like a commune, if they're waiting for like this glorious thing, whatever, it kind of, it's very uh, familiar. It feels very familiar with that, but it, obviously there's different things to this. Okay, let's give a non-spoiler review real quick. Let's just say, let's rate it right now. See, I hate saying that too late because I feel like we should have said that right away. And then people would... Uh... Stick around for that? Yeah, because what if they're not going to hear this? They're going to wait for the <laughs> whole thing. Maybe I'll just edit that in later. Um, <clears throat> so how do you guys rate this movie? Uh... Before we get into the specifics of... And, and anyone who's been paying attention to Facebook knows that I have some issues with that with this. But before we get into that... As a film on the whole, I like this. I think it's really well made. I think the acting is top notch. I think that it's that it looks good. I like the I, I like the pacing of it. I like uh, I, I like a lot about it. I I'm, I have always been a fan of Ty West's direction, and um, apart from those two piss poor shorts that he did. Um, which I've said you know numerous times that that making a short film is not at all like making a feature-length film and his his style clearly lends to making a longer feature-length film okay so i think he did i think he did a good job with that here i have no issues with that film on the whole i would say that this is probably a 3.5 okay that's cool um i would give it a four i really liked it man i thought uh i thought it you know to me, it just kept me engaged the whole fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, I was just dying to see what was going to happen. And, like, yeah, it, the ending, it's not like everybody fucking dies and, 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 you know, it's like a complete and utter loss for the main characters. Um, I just, I, I, I really like these people going in and... They didn't have a lot of setup time. They just had back and forth with each other. You know what I mean? Like, because they did this kind of what, like... I don't even want to say found footage, but they did it from that style, right? And all they have are back and forth with each other. But I really like these two dudes. And it's funny that you said uh, the, the VHS because that dude's in the first VHS too. Um, not A.J. Bowen, the other dude. But um, yeah. I, 
yeah, and I just I was really just into it. And the thing that really sold me too, they really built this guy up, right? This father guy, whatever, who is also in No Country for Old Men. He's the last dude in the last scene of No Country for Old Men. I think this guy's fucking Gene awesome. Jones. Yeah, exactly. Interestingly, is his name, and he's a he. He does a phenomenal job. He's so good in this movie, dude. That to me, like I give it, I give it two thumbs up just for this fucking guy. Like I think he's that good. I don't think he's as good as like a Michael Parks in Red State. Not like you know, if you want to kind of compare it to this type of thing, you know what I mean? Because he doesn't really preach as much as Michael Parks does, but it's at that caliber, you know what I mean? Like he's like the head dude, the head fucking ringleader or whatever. And I thought he was phenomenal. So that movie, it gets two thumbs up just for that, just for that alone. And then I like the characters, uh, you know, and uh, and I was on the edge of my seat the whole fucking time. So that's yeah. What do you give it, Alex? Um, I probably, <clears throat> instead of wasting people's time, I'll say everything Dan said is identical, really. Okay. You know, it's, uh, I give it a four for all the same reasons. Um, I was engaged the whole time. Um, it, it's weird with this movie because I don't know if it's the VHS2 thing, but although I've never seen this before, it just felt oddly familiar. Gee, I wonder why that is. Why is that, Jamie? Because <laughs> are we going? Are we going spoiler now? Because this is a big thing. If why don't we? Yeah. So that's our ratings. So go check it out based on that. If you trust our opinion, okay. So now we'll go to spoilers. Go ahead. I mean, this is basically a step-by-step recreation of Jonestown, and this this character is clearly a Jim Jones mock-up, although older. Um, but we, from the moment he comes, the, the very first moment we meet Father, and he comes walking into the pavilion. Um, I was watching this with Brian, and he's like, if this dude comes walking in with sunglasses on, I'm going to fly. And here he comes walking in with fucking sunglasses. I was like, God damn it. This, <laughs> because this is even down to the fucking Kool-Aid this is Jonestown Massacre. This is this is the Jim Jones story. This is and if you listen, if you've seen documentaries or seen even the movies or listened to the audio, there's audio on YouTube that you can hear the last sermon that he gives before yeah. uh, and as he's distributing the Kool-Aid. It's chilling, dude. It's really fucking chilling and that's real life. The world the kingdom stuff with violence and the violence will take it by force. If we can't live in peace, then let's die in peace. All ready to go. If you tell us we have to give our lives now, we're ready. I'm pretty sure all the rest of the brothers are with me. A month I've tried to keep this thing from happening. You're going to help yourself if you get no help. There's only one hope of glory. That's within you. Nobody's going to come out of the sky. There's no heaven up here. You have to make heaven down here. But only at first. Living, you're looking at death. It only looks. To, living is much, much more difficult. Raising up every morning and not knowing what's going to be the night's bringing. It's much more difficult. It's much more difficult. Please, please, for God's sake, let's get on with it. We've lived. We've lived as no other people have lived and loved. We've had as much of this world as you're going to get. Let's just be done with it. Let's be done with the agony of it. It's harder to have to watch you every day die slowly, and from the time you're a child to the time you get gray, you're dying. 
Say, Thomas, then I'm sure that they'll they'll pay for it. They'll, they'll pay for it. This is a revolutionary suicide. This is not a self-destructive suicide. So they'll pay for this. They brought this upon us. And they'll pay for that. I leave that destiny to them. I want to go. I want to see you go, though. I, they can take me and do with me whatever they want to do. I want to see you go. I don't want to see you go through this hell no more. No more, no more, no more. We're trying. So everybody will relax. The best thing you do to relax and you have no problem. You have no problem with this thing if you just relax. The children here. Let's get calm. Let's get calm. We had nothing we could do. We can't. We can't separate ourselves from our own people. For 20 years laying in some old rotten nursing home. Taking us through all these anguish years. They took it and put it in chains, and that's nothing. This, this is, that's, that, there's no comparison to that, to this. They robbed us of our land, and they've taken us and driven us, and we tried to find ourselves. We tried to find a new beginning, but it's too late. You can't separate yourself from your brother and your sister. No way I'm going to do it. I, I refuse. I don't know who fired the shot. I don't know who killed the congressman. But as far as I'm concerned, I killed him. Respect die with a degree of dignity. Lay down your life with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. There's nothing to death. It's like Max that is just stepping over in another plane. Don't, don't be this way. Stop this hysterics. This is not the way for people who are socialists and communists to die. No way for us to die. We must die with some dignity. Mother, 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 please. Mother, please, 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 don't, don't do this, don't do this. Get down your life with your child, but don't do this. Free at last. Keep your emotions down, keep your emotions down. Children, it will not hurt if you'll be, if you'll be quiet, if you'll be quiet. All over, and it's good. No, no sorrow that it's all over. I'm glad it's over. Hurry, hurry, my children, hurry! All right, they just not fall into the hands of the enemy. Hurry, my children! Hurry! The seniors out here that I'm concerned about. Hurry! I don't want to leave my seniors to this mess. Quickly, 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 sisters. No more pain, I said, Al. No more pain. Jim Cobb is laying down our life. We're not letting them take our life. We're laying down our life. We're taking their lives. We just want peace. How could you do them? All they're doing is taking a drink to take to go to sleep. That's what death is, sleep. I'm tired of it all. Hey, you don't, don't fail to follow my advice. You'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. 
that we do it than that they do it. Us trust you, you have to step across. We used to think this world, this world's not our home, well it sure isn't. That's what we were saying, it sure wasn't. He doesn't want to tell him. All he's doing, if they will tell him, assure these children. Can some people assure these children of the relaxation of stepping over to the next plane? We've set an example for others. We've set 1,000 people who say we don't like the way the world is. Take our life from us. We laid it down. We got tired. We didn't commit suicide, we committed an act of revolutionary suicide protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Okay, and in this and this is where I begin to have problems with this. Because if you're going to Basically, I referred to this as plagiarizing history, and I say that because this is basically a step-by-step -step recreation of what happened in Jonestown, except it's not nearly as horrifying as the real story. So, and nowhere does he mention Jim Jones or Jonestown, although it's extraordinarily clear that that's exactly what this is. Right. Um, in the real Jonestown massacre, over 900 people died. 280 of those people were kids. In this version, 167 people died total. You know, I mean, that's for one, that right there is less horrifying. But if you listen to the if you listen to the speech that father gives to the congregation as he's getting them to drink the Kool-Aid and then you listen to the actual audio of what Jim Jones did, it's eerily similar. So it's there's really no question what he did here that my concern is if you're going to do that. Why would you then make it less horrifying than what actually happened? Typically, if you're going to dramatize a real-life event, if you're going to fictionalize a real-life event and put your own spin on it, you would then put your own spin on it. But not only did he not do anything that was really new or original or clever with it, he actually took out some of the more horrifying stuff. In the real story, there was a congressman that came down to try to save these people, to get some of these people out. He told him, yeah, okay, you go back and, and people are free to leave. People, no one's forced to be here. They're free to leave. Then the congressman gets mowed down and then he kills all his people. In this one, it was just some guy going to visit his sister. Right? That's not <laughs> nearly as big scale as what actually happened. And right. see, that's, that is, that's why my issue comes in. It's not that I think this is a bad movie. I don't. I just think it's a completely unoriginal movie, and I don't understand his point behind it. I don't understand what he's attempting. It's like Jonestown Light. It, it, that's exactly what I referred to it. And it was like where Dan said, just don't drink the Kool-Aid. I'm like, no, it really should be don't drink the Crystal Light. Because <laughs> it's like sugar-free Kool-Aid here. Oh, um, shit. If you, want to, if you want to do something that is based on an actual story and you want to use it as a jumping-off point and then do something else with it, I think that's cool. He didn't do that. If you want to make a horror film out of something like this, I think that's cool. I don't feel that he did that because he made it actually less horrible than what actually happened. So if you wanted to make a horror film, why not make it even that much more horrible? Why not create things within your own story to make it horrible? If his goal was to bring attention to a new generation right. that may be unaware of the Jonestown Massacre, then why not make that clear? 
why not make it known? You could put a thing in the beginning of the movie that's like, hey, this was inspired by events that took place in Jonestown, Guyana, or whatever. You know, none of that. He doesn't give any implication within the film or the credits at all that this is something that actually happened. So if people are not aware of that original incident, this film is not going to bring awareness. They're just going to think that this is something that came out of Ty West's head, and it didn't. I mean, and so if you want to take something and use it as a jumping off point, like I said, I think that's a great idea. Do that, but why then keep it exactly the same? Why use the Kool-Aid? Because that is clearly – you can't get away from that. You look at the guy. You hear the guy. You look at how he killed his congregation. There is no question whatsoever that this is the Jim Jones story. And But he didn't do anything new. He didn't bring anything interesting. He didn't change anything except to delete things and and make it less awful. And so that's where I think it fails. Wow. I rate this a two out of five. Ah, <laughs> hey, I'll say this. Uh, first off, <laughs> that was good. Jamie, <laughs> I think that you're totally correct. I, how are you going to argue that? You know what I mean? Like real life shit like, and the way you're talking about it. I mean, yeah, but you say it doesn't bring attention to it. Well, that's exactly what you just did for me. And yeah, we're horror fans, but I did. But the movie what? didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, but no, but bullshit. See, this is where I, I'm kind of now. As you were talking, I thought of this. I haven't been pointing this, but as you were saying that, they have Eli Roth and Ty West's name plastered all over this. So, in order to sell it like that, and it's only on video on demand and shit like that, you have to be a pretty pretty unique type of horror fan. Not a, not. I don't mean unique, but a pretty you know. I guess educated, like you gotta watch a lot of horror movies, like we do, to to be attracted to those two names, which are plastered on all over the movie. That I just think that with, with names like that, I understand what you're saying, how they don't explain it anywhere, but I guarantee that they had reasons for everything you're talking about. They may be bullshit reasons. I could be totally wrong, but. I know the way that Eli Roth does shit. He doesn't do anything just like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to throw this together. Like, he, I'm sure he knew, they both knew very well that they were doing a Jonestown Massacre kind of mock-up oh, yeah. type of thing. Jason pointed out that he, because he was present for the Q&A when they first, uh, when they premiered this film. Jason was there, and he points out that Ty West brings it up during the Q&A. Well, you're kind of forced to at that point. I don't really give him points for that because someone in that audience either – if they didn't actually outright mention it, he knows that someone out there knows about it. You're kind of stuck in a corner. You have to mention it at that point. And, and Jake said on Facebook that he doesn't think he has any obligation to give credit to that. But I'm saying if your goal – if your goal – is to bring attention to the real-life fact, then, yeah, you kind of do have an obligation because if you don't, where are people supposed to get it from? You're assuming that they're going to either already know about it or that discussion of this film is going to bring it up like it happened to do here. But that doesn't happen for everyone. So you're there are a lot of people out there who are going to watch this movie and go, wow, that's pretty fucked up. I agree. And know nothing about where it actually came from. Uh, yeah, and I told, dude, I totally get that. Where you're coming from, Jamie? I really do. Um, I just, I feel like they're, they're, um, 
precise of filmmakers to where they know they had an idea and there's a reason for that execution. I don't know it. I'm not saying once again, I wish I was educated in this moment, Jamie, but I'm sure that, that two minds like that, that are just, are not going it, to, it's definitely based on that. And you're right. Why tone it down? You would think that they would go the opposite and add it, shit. That, well, that's yeah, as a filmmaker, I'm asking you, where, what do you think would be a good reason to attempt to make a horror film out of a real life event but make it less awful than what actually happened. In what situation would that be a good idea? Uh, when you're trying to reach a PG-13 rating? I don't know. Um, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I, you're absolutely right. This was R, though, so. May, but you're right, though. I mean, you're right, though. Maybe it is kind of the light version of uh, what really happened. But fucking, you know, what isn't, dude? If you go, I'm just, if you do, all you have to do is do a Google search for images of Jonestown. Uh, the still images that will come up for your Google search will be more disturbing than this entire film put together. I'm going to see if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Jonestown. Oh, God, I'm using Bing. Holy shit. Okay, she's right. Wow. Dude, you got to see this. Holy fuck. These people really did this? You know, I know they did this, but I didn't know there was that many. There, the, and the thing is, <laughs> it was. I thought there was like forty people doing this. No, there were over nine. There were over nine hundred and twelve people that died in the in the original Jonestown massacre. And the horrible thing was, he used cyanide, which is not a painless death. In no way is this a painless. And he's and he's telling him the whole time, no more pain. You know, this is going to be this is easy. You're just going to sleep. Bullshit. Yeah, he said that. Holy shit, that's a lot of people. You see this? Holy fuck. And those who would not, those who would not drink the Kool Aid were shot, and they were forced to feed it to their children. Two hundred and eighty children, to be exact, or or, you know, that's a rough estimate, I think, but. Roughly 280 kids, you know, that were force-fed this by their parents. And if you listen to the actual audio, you hear this one woman. She's like, you know, I look at our children, and I think that our children have a right to live. And he's steady telling them, no, this is our only option. This is – Why Why did he say that? We cause, Because his world was coming crashing down, dude. His cult, which is exactly what it was. And he'd been leading this. He, Jim Jones, toward the end, had lost his fucking mind. And when he realized the government was coming in, the government was getting involved because people wanted to get out. And so he felt he had nowhere to go. And it makes sense that he would kill himself. But he didn't just kill himself. He took his entire he, congregation with him. And you, you said know. he killed a congressman or something? A That's congressman, yes. nuts, dude. You know, a congressman who flew in because they had been receiving letters from people who wanted help. From people who right. wanted out of this. So the congressman flew in to talk to him. The whole time he's talking to the congressman, he's like, oh, dude, these people, they have the right to leave whenever they want. I'm not forcing them to be here. The congressman goes to get back on the plane and gets shot. Right, right. And then he starts killing everyone. And then you got to think, if you're going to have this much cyanide on hand, how long has this plan been in place? Yeah. This is, you know, it only leads you to believe this. This is an exit plan. He knew that they were never going to leave this. Once they set up this little commune, it's he. <laughs> they were never going to leave this, you know. So he, to him, their only way out. And you have a woman making a suggestion. What if we move to Russia? What if we do this? You know, there are other options. And he's like, I've got calls into Russia right now. Total lie. 
He knew that they were all going to die. And if they didn't drink it, then he shot them. And it's um, in reality, I'm kind of tearing up because in reality, the real life story of this is so horrific. And so it is, it is on such a large scale that when that then that's kind of why this movie rubs me the way it does, because I feel like it doesn't really it really touch on the horrors that were involved in these people's lives. It just sort of glosses over it. And the, the, the way they give it to the kids, too, with the syringes in their, th- their mouth. Yeah. You know, and, and that and then he did do some things that were horrible in the film. And like I said, overall, I think the film is well made, you know, just based on itself. If this was something that he created, if this was a story that he created, I think it would be really horrible. But the fact that it is based so heavily on a real life event and then toned down so much, that's what bothers me. Because to me, the real life event is 150 times worse than anything that Ty West has put on screen with this film. It's a, but what about the argument that it's just a movie? Like, it's for you enjoyment. Were, it's for horror were, fans. If you were going to do that, then why make it so incredibly close to the real-life story? You know, at least have them drinking grape Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's yeah. a joke. But, I mean, if you're going to yeah, do no, it, I got you. then go completely away. Then do something totally different. Do something original. But he didn't. I want some he of took, that purple stuff. He took real events and then just toned it down. I don't understand it. That's what I just – I don't understand. I don't know what his goal was. I don't know what he was attempting to accomplish. I can't figure it out because hmm. you watch documentaries on this. You listen to the audio on this. You watch the, any of the several movies that have already been made about this actual thing, mm-hmm. and that right there is way worse than this. And I'm sorry, I hate to be all passionate about it and all that, but, but I mean, Alex, you're looking at the photographs right now. You see what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. I clicked out of it. <laughs> no, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done too, but yeah, well, <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's really nothing to say about the actual movie. For, I mean, that's uh, that sums it up. Why get into each I mean, we could talk about a couple scenes like, uh, well, here's the thing. Even with, let's just say this was the real Jim Jones thing. If I was there, I would have just, like, uh, made believe I drank it and laid down next to other people. I thought that same thing today. I was actually listening, uh, re-listening to the audio on YouTube while I was at work. I think some of my coworkers were like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, but um, just to sort of refresh it, because I knew I'd be talking about it, I was listening to that, and I was thinking – why couldn't you just pretend? Yeah, you know, there's enough crowd there. It, fall down in like you know amid several people. He probably never noticed. Right now, there were some people who survived this, and um, some of them ran. Some of them, um, I'm not sure. I don't remember all the story. I think there, I've seen interviews with probably 11 or 12 people that survived this whole thing. Um, so there were the ways that people were able to get out of it. It's but, so simple. On a mass scale. And then you got to think, too, these people were so brainwashed, they believed what he was saying. They believed that they really had no recourse, that they had no choice. Because what he's telling them is that the government is going to come in and kill them. And he said that in the movie, too. I would just risk that happening. I would be like, well, if they do, they do, but I'm not fucking, you know. But (laughs) in the end, he told them it was their choice, and then they didn't really have a choice. And they got shot if they didn't do it. How do you still? Oh, my God. Uh, well, I guess you don't have to explain that because once you kill them, who do you have to explain to? So as far as this movie goes, I just 
one thing I noticed I thought was funny. Why is A.J. Bowen always disappearing in every fucking movie he's in? <laughs> right. Like, where the fuck is this guy for 30 minutes? I could have swore he was going to pop up as, like, a killer somewhere. <laughs> I just saw it coming. I was like, this happens every movie. Yeah, and he explains it at the end of the movie. movie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and what about the lady who cut her own daughter's throat, man? It's just so the guy... Oh, would... that, was, that was rough. No, that was hardcore. Up. I love it when we first meet that little girl. She's like, "Oh, she's a mute. Don't mind her." Yeah. Like, oh, because she can't talk. She has, <laughs> she has no brain or no personality. Just I don't yeah, mind right. her. She's a mute. Piece of shit. Don't mind her. And then, the, and then one bitch who set herself on fire. What the fuck? Oh, that was awesome. You can't think of a better way to kill yourself, sweetie. <laughs> now, I mean, and I will yeah, say that he, the worst. he did do a good job of sort of portraying the mentality of people involved in this situation. Right. Maybe he couldn't come up with 900 extras. Maybe that's why he made it so <laughs> on such a small scale. I don't know. Yeah. But um, true story, too, the actual Jim Jones, he didn't drink his own Kool-Aid. He actually shot himself. Um, and that's mainly, I think, because he knows full well that's a horrible fucking way to die. That's a like, motherfucker. But what I find interesting at the end of this film is that he has the guy tied up in the chair, and then he shoots himself. Right. Why did he allow them to live? I don't know. It didn't make – except for Jason then said that the original ending of the story, according to Ty West, was going to be that the vice guys got blown up when they were flying away in the helicopter or something like that. So his original intent was that they were not going to survive it, but vice said – no. The only way that they would have involvement in the film is if their people didn't get killed. Vice is real? Yeah, apparently. I, I honestly had never heard of them, but... Me either. I was so I guess it's a real. I guess it's a real thing. What the fuck? Just to make a reference of something half of us never heard of, they were willing to compromise the ending of their film just to use a word... Like, why not you say Time Magazine or some shit? Like, something we heard of. Like, why would you have to be constrained to vice's rules just make something up yeah (laughs) i mean why does it matter i mean i i would rather make the ending of my film the way i wanted to make my film than use a reference to something that it doesn't even really matter in the big scheme of things you know but it still doesn't make sense to me that he would allow them to survive because he you know why he killed everyone else why not kill them right uh, yeah they're the cause of it well, because, dude, they had to get back, and it had to be a found footage type of deal. <laughs> well, he even said, if anyone finds this footage, blah, blah, blah. And plus, uh, A.J. Bowen could have got killed before the guy went in that room. So yes. that footage. I found that surprising that he was still alive yeah. in there. Yeah. It's like fucking talking to him. Like, And then he says to him, uh, you'll find out in years to come what, what this all means. And I'm saying, do you mean, like, two minutes? <laughs> like, what do you mean, years to come? Shut up. Oh, yeah, because he's like, you'll understand. And I said – I even said out loud when I was watching this, and I was like, well, not if you kill him. Right. Because I fully expected him to kill them, and then he didn't. So, But I guess that's why. I mean I guess we know now why is because Vice said no. Well, now that you said all this, you see, this movie, I, I like it though, but man, I would like to get the full impact. I wish they would remake this movie. <laughs> but see, that's what I mean. You know, it's not a bad movie. It's well made. Right. I, I, I agree with that. I do. I just think that it's a pale comparison to reality. To, the, to reality. And if you want to make something really horrific, go that way. Bam! Jamie Jenkins just dropping bombs. Really, nothing else to say. Uh, that's about it. I mean, there's really nothing to say. I mean, we just covered everything. Anything else would just be uh, 
uncivilized. Yeah. So that's that's the review. So uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> I mean, really, there's nothing to say for that. The only thing that really saved WrestleMania from being a total disaster was The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. You got to be serious, you know. Let's be a little more serious about this matter. WrestleMania looked looked about as disappointing in all possible ways as much as Starcade 97 looked very disappointing. Oh, got yeah. two callers. Oh. Both of them are in the 646. How you doing? Hello. Hey, can How you, you hear me? Doing? Yeah, am I on? Am I on? Yes, you're on. Oh, yeah. hey, how you guys doing today? Good, how are you? Doing good over here. Talk about WrestleMania. I really miss the good old days, you know, when it's like Adrian Adonis. I miss Lou Albano and yeah. Andre the Giant and Bob Backlund and Blue Meanie and, you know, Berserker. Lou was a really big... Bam Bam Bigelow and <laughs> Junkyard Dog and I miss Conquistador and I miss you know, Spike Dudley I miss Dory Funk and Flash Funk and the Haas Funk and Terry Funk. Okay, and I know. Okay, I know. I know how much you miss there. I just muted you here, you know. And uh, you're telling me what you miss and everything, you know. What was uh, what was your? As I bring you back on the air, I got to ask you, what's your uh, general general feeling on uh, WrestleMania? Because uh, that's what this is about. <laughs> it was about the wrestling back then when it was Hillbilly Jim and Kabuki and Jerry the King Lawler and <laughs> and when it was Mantar and Manu. Manu, oh my. Okay, uh, I do apologize there. He, uh, you know, he's just uh, going off names there, and uh, I wasn't going to take that much longer. But uh, this guy brought up Hillbilly Jim, you know. Hello, caller, you're on the air. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you guys are talking about Hillbilly Jim? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a wonderful he was one of my favorite wrestlers. I remember one time I was in Mobile, Alabama and I saw a Hillbilly Jim uh wrestle that night. And the great thing about him is that he was a man of the people. We went to a bar afterwards and he was drinking beer with us and you know yeah. we went into the bathroom and I sucked this cock. It was huge. He, the guy was just a real good sport at all that shit. I loved him. Big Becker too, man. He oh yeah, yeah. like a wild animal. <laughs> okay, good enough for you. Uh, good enough for you. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna call up and do crank calls, you don't need to be here. You know, this <laughs> is right. about WrestleMania. This is not about uh, the things you want to do, buddy. <laughs> Caller six four six. I'm gonna let you back on, but uh, you don't need to be uh, uh, strolling with names. I forgot to mention yeah. Lanny Poffo, <laughs> leaping Lanny Poffo, and oh, one yeah. man. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, good enough for me. You're going to stay on mute for the rest of the show. You know, honestly, if I, if I have to, you know, just uh, take this number, you know, and uh, and uh, present it to uh, one, of, one of the officials, then that's what I'm going to do. Okay, uh, you're on the air. You're on the air. Is this Sammy Ressler? It's me, man. Thanks for picking up the call. I'm sorry about all those yeah, idiotic, no stupid uh, calls before, man. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, back in 79, I gave Chief J. Strongwell a hand job. While McDaniels was sucking my cock. Uh, oh, whatever you say, buddy. That's the last call, too. As a matter of fact, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna let it be known that you're under the name Sammy Wrestler, and I'm going to just basically uh, basically ask that you be taken care of. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go one step better, and I'm just going to throw the ban on you. You are actually, uh, I'm banning you for a month until you decide to show a better attitude. Uh And most of all, I'm hanging up on you, too. Uh Now, you don't get to be here for any of my shows, buddy. That's just rude. You know, plain rude.
<clears throat> uh, I got bad news, guys. What? What up? Um, you know, like, we wanted to do different things and, and kind of put a new spin on this whole horror podcast thing and go new directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was going well. Yeah, well, guess who doesn't like that? Who? The fucking government, bro. And uh, shit just hit the fan. Oh, shit. You remember what I was talking to you guys about that might happen a couple months back? Yep. Yeah, but I thought you were just being paranoid. No. They're coming. And uh, they know where the dungeon is. And uh, we're fucked. I mean, there's there's no way out of this. Um, Can we run? We can't, we can't start a new show under another name, anything. They know who we are. Oh, sweet, dude. You brought Kool-Aid. Yeah, um, that's what's the other thing I was going to tell you about. Vandal! This shit's good. Oh, and Jamie, it's the purple stuff. Uh, well, I was going to prepare you for uh, the next two minutes of your life, but, uh... What were you talking about? Uh, so one last toast? Uh, wait, hold on, let's just let this pass. Dan? Uh, no, he's he's not gonna respond. Um, Dan's uh, dead, Jamie. Uh, well, what, what I was gonna tell you guys, I uh, the government's coming. They're gonna come in and and basically put this place down, and and they're gonna shoot us. Shoot us? Yeah. They don't want us talking anymore. They they said we're poisoning the minds of all horror fans out there, and anybody who listens to the show is just. Uh, they don't like our message. Oh, I don't know. What are we going to do? Well, there's only one option, Jamie. We we have to take our own lives, and uh, we're going to go to a better place. But we cannot let them take our lives from us. We got to drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah. Well, the only reason there's only one cup... I mean, no, there's two cups. I'm somewhere in here, but... Yeah, just take that one there. Okay, but I love you. I love you too. Here, just, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh well, I guess I should have told you that's the reason Dan was twitching. That's cyanide. Ah. So it's it's yeah, it's not. It's all I had. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Stop looking at me. I feel guilty. Turn around. And, uh, turn around. Hello? Jamie? Hmm. Well, yeah. So, uh, anybody, if, if anybody finds this tape and hears this, uh, there's a skeleton crew signing out for the last time, man. I mean, uh, the government came down and we just can't do this anymore and no one's going to take my life. So, uh, uh, we're all, we all took it ourselves. So, that's it. Later.